Welcome to NFT Sundays, a weekly conversation around art and technology, brought to you by Dementi and the Museum of Crypto Art. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our episode of NFT Sundays. Uh, I'm joined today by the lovely Kate Voss. Um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Colburn, and thank you for inviting for the podcast. I apologize. It's a bit late here, so it's like an evening conversation for me. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep it super chill and, and mellow and really just appreciate you taking the time. Um, it's wonderful to have you here and always to just reconnect. You were one of kind of the, the first people that I was very well acquainted with and, you know, when I began collecting and uh, excited to kind of just unpack the many years of experience that you have uh, and what you've seen this space start as and subsequently become. Um, so I'd love to begin, if you would, just tell us a bit about yourself and, and background and how you came to be in this world. Uh, thank you, Colvin. Uh, well, just uh, to talk about myself a little bit, um, I um, my name is Kate Vass. I run uh, Kate Vass Gallery based in uh, Zurich, Switzerland, and uh, we established uh, in uh, 2017 uh, with a focus on uh, digital generative art, and uh, we've been hosting physical exhibitions. Um, now we can say that they are historical exhibitions um, showcasing protagonists of blockchain art, uh, back in 2018 and 2019, we also hosted Artificial Intelligence uh, show, uh, also highlighting the pioneers of this movement. Um, the History of Generative Art, a retrospective show on 70 years around that topic. Um, and then several solo shows for um, such talents that are well known now in the space, um, but back at the time they were not as known, like Osinachi, for example, you know, um, you also collect uh, him and I think he's also in your curatorial uh, board as yeah, far as I remember. the Artist remember. Advisory Committee. Exactly, so like he's a great, great artist and um, great example, uh, like Espen Cluj, which you also collected and we also hosted a physical exhibition back in 2019 where we introduced the digital and physical works together and we've been hosting also a lot of educational seminars for the collectors explaining why uh, what is NFT, what is non-fungible token and back at that time nobody really called it NFT because it was too complex um, people were just referring it to just the crypto art um, and probably also why the name of a museum that you are hosting actually is a museum of crypto art, right? Yeah. Because nobody back at the time called NFT an NFT. And also, maybe we can also talk about that. The reason to this is there were a few artists, right, back at the space. The art and tech community was super small. Uh, there were a few artists and it was very easy to navigate and everybody was so friendly. And basically, I fell in love with the space because it was so different from traditional art world, you know, where people usually tend to be more competitive and more kind of um, reserved a little bit, you know, um, fragile in terms of, you know, uh, communication and openness and, and uh, sharing, you know, 
uh, supporting artists one another, you know, and to me it felt really like um, fresh air. So. Yeah, you know, I want to shout out just some other artists that you've worked with. You absolutely have an eye for this because, you know, you, you're always there first. It's just incredible. Uh, Robbie Barat, Manaloide, uh, you know. Yes. Oh, my God. If you want me to talk about my artists, I can spend the whole 45 minutes talking about them uh, because each of them is unique and I love... Um, and support and collect uh, if I can uh, financially. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's also not easy um, to add to the collection. I definitely do. Um, and back at the time, there were more opportunities, let's put it that way, to um, collect and to support the artists. Of course, you know, within the time, which is also from my perspective as a commercial gallery, it's good, right? That that the artist is growing, that the, the market is kind of developing and that the artists can sustain themselves and they're getting royalties and that they prosper. Um, so it's like amazing to watch uh, this uh, development. Um, but yes, it becomes a little bit less affordable, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're so good at your job, right? It's like... It yeah. means you're doing a good job, exactly. So Truly. on one hand... You're saying, okay, well done, you're doing a good job, but you cannot afford anymore, you know, like, and when the, the, the future drops come uh, or some new type of work is introduced um, or shown by already another gallery, for example, who also entered the space all the time, um, or if um, somebody else uh, collaborates with the artist and the artist kind of does a special drop or special series, um, well, in case of Asinaches, like Christ, uh, Christus, right? Yes, yeah. Christus uh, was amazing. Actually, I ended up buying anyway. <laughs> so, there you go, yeah. <laughs> this is how you support um, when you believe in, in the true talent. And um, yeah, so uh, from one hand, it's good to, to see the space um, kind of uh, growing um, and prospering. Uh, from the other hand, yes, it is a bit uh, challenging now if you look at the prices and if you look at the at the variety, let's put it that way, politically correct, at the variety, diversity of what we have on the market uh, available, um, it's, um, it's complicated. I, I mean, I feel sorry for collectors, to be honest with you, you know, like if they come to the space. <laughs> it's very overwhelming. I, I have to just echo that first i want to you know give you your flowers because I, you know there's others out there that really claim to be like the first nft gallery um but yeah. to to my knowledge you were doing it way before at kind of the yeah. highest and, and best level but we are back in europe nobody gives a damn about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah americans love to just take things you know it's and claim it for themselves yeah um <laughs> I want to kind of go back in and dig into kind of this formative culture. Also, what you said about how, you know, NF this term of NFT art, uh, nobody was calling that in the beginning. It was either crypto art or rare digital art. Yeah. Um, I, you know, chose the name crypto art because that's what I associated philosophically with the movement, right? Exactly. They were taking um, the tool of the blockchain and using it for personal sovereignty, 
uh, for immutability, for that beautiful authentication, that timestamp signature. Um, and now it has grown so wide because this term NFT is so nebulous. And I think a lot of collectors fall into that trap of, you know, looking for NFT art. And whereas there was something philosophical in the movement of crypto art, now every freelance graphic designer, movie producer, special effects wizard is using the NFT uh, as a tool to distribute and, and sell their work. And it's become so incredibly, uh, in my opinion, convoluted. And even myself with, you know, I think exceptional knowledge of the market and, and seeing things grow, it's just impossible to keep up with. Um, yeah. So absolutely. <clears throat> and also with um, all the additional tools uh, that are available in the market, I'm talking about DeFi, I'm talking about different chains, I'm talking about different wallets. So back at the time, uh, we had crypto art or blockchain art. I remember majority of people were calling it crypto art. Yeah. So um, 2017, 18, 19, still crypto art, 2020, whatever art, digital blockchain art, and then NFTs. But then 2021, that's after the sales of people with all this social media crazy promo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the term NFT came to place and, and then this NFTism as a concept by Kenya Schechter, you know, also... I think he contributed a lot to this as a cultural movement. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I guess, you know, crypto art back at the time uh, was pretty clear. Uh, the tools were pretty clear that the artists have been using. Um, if it's, um, again, you know, like also limited resources that SuperRare or OpenSea could offer, um, not everybody could mint a video, for example. The, remember, we started to collect, it was still images. Yeah, still yeah. images. Still Just images, JPEGs. oh my God, you know, like yeah. it was so cool. <laughs> and then, you know, like technology was evolving so fast. Then after still images, animation, oh my God, like yeah. animation. After animation, uh, generative AI, um, some sort of neural networks, um, all these kind of big data, more conceptual work. And then, of course, you know, like people always seek for more, for better, uh, for bigger. Yeah. Uh, so bigger volume was introduced. So again, you know, like then video, then 3D. And, you know, the space is kind of growing, the variety is growing, new chains coming to, to, to play. Um, now I think, you know, Rarible offers, I don't know, maybe five different chains to, to support five different wallets. Yeah. Um, I think OpenSea supports like, I don't know, 36 currencies. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but it's quite a lot. Um, and I remember back at the time, I mean, it was just USDC, uh, Ropt, uh, Ethereum or something like that, you know, like so very limited tools, right. which also made it in, in, in a way kind of, cool you know because it it was it was kind of pioneering in a way right and 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 then it, you you could still talk to to one another and and contribute and comment and say maybe you know if we do this and that you know uh we can make it better you yeah. know and everybody 
kind of listen to one another. And really the community was working um, to become better, to become uh, more unite, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in one kind of dream, you know, to really make the space available for the artist, for the collector, um, and make the, the space transparent as well. There now, was... we don't, there is no transparency. Yeah. Hey, it's all about market making and uh, DeFi, finance, uh, technology, marriage, uh, and the beautiful NFT is just about special perks and incentives for the collectors and the modern area. Um, and basically staking, yielding, and all this kind of uh, new terminology. Fractionalization of artwork, right? Oh, yeah, that Just... was back in 2017, actually. You know, like, for me, it's uh, it's nothing new because in Switzerland, um, like, if you look at the Euro European market, Switzerland was the one who started, which started to tokenize things first, like 2017, okay. we had the boom of ICOs. Yep. And Germany, <laughs> in comparison to Switzerland, they started to build up the regulation like about around DLT. Yeah. So in comparison, you know, the Germans, they're still kind of building this uh, um, DLT uh, digital assets uh, regulation, whatever that may, may be. And we kind of been quite early on tokenizing things. And I remember the first... Um, Projects, particularly in Geneva, I think, you know, uh, who've been trying to take Picasso or Andy Warhol to fractionalize the, the artwork and, and try to distribute these kind of things. And I was like, no, yeah. that's, that doesn't make sense. But um, now many companies do that. It's, it's very strange to me. I think it speaks to what you were talking about earlier around the idea of substance, right? It felt so, in the beginning, so substantive. It was really a, a focus on one-of-one one artwork, and it really felt like you knew what you owned. Um, like, what do you own when you own a portion of a Warhol? You have totally just commodified the art uh, and, and made it an investment. And, you know, for, for me, I think there has, as you put you know there has been a and it seems a cultural problem as well with the world like a vapidness a hollowness and and just <laughs> a a you know a return to marketing um and like yes. real legitimate voices opinions get i think drowned out on the platforms that we're using um absolutely yeah you know and there were like real patrons of these artists and there were patrons of the space that wanted to see the space succeed now as you said there's been a dramatic reduction in transparency uh it gives the illusion of transparency but you know there's so many i guess venture capital funds or DAOs or whoever it is playing games yeah. with artists and doing deals on the back end all while yeah. kind of like providing this illusion of transparency up front um it's, I think, a, a shame. And, and so much of that is just kind of translated into marketing and image. And, you know, it's nothing new that we, you know, because we saw a lot of whale collectors in the very beginning as well, trying to use money, ego, power, and status to manipulate, <laughs> yes. to manipulate markets. Uh, but, yeah. but the scale has, has certainly grown. Well, money talks... Uh always right um human nature unfortunately doesn't change uh, so with the evolution of technology 
if you look um, at the history, back at the history, unfortunately, we continue repeating the same, the same, the same, because, I mean, <laughs> vanity, uh, money, uh, speculation, obviously, you know, use of uh, quick, dirty <laughs> things uh, for the quicker profit and, and for your own benefit, um, unfortunately, prevail um, over the good kind of faith and good purpose um, that people who have started the whole thing kind of believed in. And I, I, I think they, are, they, they still believe, you know, like you also still believe. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't do this podcast, right? Um, I still believe I'm still around. And um, I, just, I just think, you know, like the term NFT and what is NFT? And if we're talking about NFT, does we necessarily mm. refer to art? Right. You know, this is something uh, that is important. And I mean, for the last two weeks, I've been speaking at several um, panels and um, gave a lecture at Christie's. And um, <laughs> before I started my presentation, each time I had to say, okay, I just want to show you two slides. One slide is basically the pie chart where you see the diversity of, um, no, first I, I want to see, I, I usually show the timeline of NFTs from 2012, hmm. where there was no Ethereum, there was no um, kind of well-known projects, and say, well, that was kind of back in 12, in 12, uh, 2012, yeah. um, where the first concept of non-fungible token kind of initiated, right? Um, and then as history shows, you see that, you know, at some point of time, there was gaming, there was um, kind of coins projects, they mm -hmm. were collectibles like peppers, uh, like cards, they were like um, sort of already a marriage of game, collectibles, crypto art, different marketplaces, different chains, and this is give like this timeline kind of gives you a very good overview how when we refer now to the nft that the, is how how diverse it is right as a right. term and then when you look and, and refer to the nft it's not necessarily art and if you look at the pie chart it basically it's 14 percent which is actually art and the rest is like 65 of collectibles yeah and then if you dive in further at this 65 percent What's left is basically a big stake of uh, crypto punks, crypto kitties, board apes, uh, <laughs> all these PFP projects. Um, art blocks is generative art stands mm -hmm. aside, also the high edition, and 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 that's it, you know. And the luxury brands also like trying to interfere. And now film industry coming in, and music industry coming in, and everybody is coming uh, to 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 tokenize and and do some sort of um project with the nft um so i i just try to say like listen you know when i refer to nft i'm i am trying to refer to the crypto art back from 2018 2019 yeah. because this is how we used to call it and even if you look at their um this kind of very small share of the market of 14 percent um you already see again uh, kind of a division uh, where you say, okay, this is crypto art or natively digital art, and this is some sort of traditional going digital. And this is also now more and more, right, with the um, 
introduction of uh, more galleries and uh, more traditional artists get into space. This is also becoming more confusing because we also have a lot of traditional artists coming uh, to, 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 to use NFT also as a, some sort of artistic tool, which I don't say it's bad or good. I'm not here to judge, but yeah. it also cre creates additional volume um, for their potential collector or for existing collector to gather this information and to to, to kind of again um, identify why, why is it different what is it is it a good project is it a good art what is art so it's more and more challenging and the worst thing is you know recently that uh, generally <laughs> the worst projects have been succeeding uh, you know, the, <laughs> it's all about marketing. <laughs> it's all about marketing again. It's just like so, so vapid and hollow. But I want to, I want to shift gears a bit and and talk about. I, I forget the source, but I'm sure the numbers are correct. Um, you know, 50% of high net worth individuals express some interest in owning, you know, an NFT or we'll call it crypto art because I think that's really you know the proper term. Um, but 80% of traditional gallerists said they would never deal in or sell in this. Um, so there seems to be kind of like this wide disparity of uh, people who are interested but do not know how to access um, and an unwillingness from the traditional world to, uh, you know, kind of provide that, probably because the technology is complicated. So, you know, I kind of want to ask like a twofold question to you. Uh, you know, being so early and having seen all this, you know, how do you begin to approach and, and work with collectors to get them up that hill? And then, well, maybe we'll just start there, if that's okay. Well, actually, I think you touched two major, pro major problems. Um, because to uh, educate and to start dealing with traditional art collector uh, and engage him or her, um, into the crypto space, it's 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 actually not a difficult task. Mm. It's not, particularly if you believe and if you know what you're doing and what you're selling and why. And you know, of course, it's not for everyone, but you know, it's not that. But to comment on why the galleries and why um, such reluctance, you know, is still in the space. I think it's due to the complexity, not of the technology, but actually because of the legal aspects, hmm. um, transparency in the books, uh, KYC and AML, not understanding the money flow, which is very important. Yeah. And of course, we all know we are not born yesterday that in traditional art market, it's also the transparency is left much to be desired for the bigger deals, right? Um, but at the same time, you still can kind of track, uh, okay, this is a foundation, this is a trust, okay, this is the bank account, okay, major movements, right? Mm. Um, you also have some sort of major players, families, or again, the corporate or private collections, where you can more or less understand, okay, which kind of client could potentially buy, I don't know, Da Vinci or um, Andy Warhol last sale, for example, you know. Mm. So, and if it sells at the auction house, auction house gathers that data. So for the transparency, again, if you really need to know, you always can identify. In the crypto space, because of so many 
uh, different players and marketplaces involved majority of the times. Um, the gallery is exposed to additional risk of gathering this third-party marketplaces risks, first of all, copyright risks, secondly, and then again, not having any control of where the money comes from if it's automatically sold on this marketplace, for example, by the, or by the artist. And then also, um, not everybody think about the other side of the coin. So, okay, we, we always want to check who, who is the collector. Let's do the KYC on the collector and AML on the collector. Of course, nobody wants that because it's against the beliefs of the decentralized space, right? Yeah. Where we all would like to stay anonymous and hide behind the board ape. Um, but we also have to check artists. We always forget that there is another side of the coin that the, actually, you know, KYC has to be done on both according to the centralized rules. Yep. And we have to bear in mind that art galleries with a turnover usually over millions, right. I mean, the blue chip galleries is a, a lot of money. They cannot just take such risk. It's such a good point. I mean, I always, always wondered how <laughs> these these decentral or these marketplaces, centralized marketplaces that that we all know, um, are able to even facilitate such a trade because it seems like such a you know legal and regulatory risk. Um, because you know they have a lot of legal paperwork. Of course, I'm not saying that all the uh, crypto marketplaces they don't have a legal framework. Of course, they 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 do but it's mostly done to protect themselves right. but nothing to do with the third party if you're a collector or the gallery or a dealer or a curator and you more or less advising even if you're an advisor you have to do the job and you're actually not allowed to, to advise like that because mm. nfts might be also seen potentially as a financial assets and if it's a financial asset you have to have a license to advise on this kind of collecting so it's very tricky, and I think, you know, 2022 is some sort of a year of change where we will see more of these questions popping up, again, because of the people misusing the yeah, space. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we just saw what happened to Nate getting charged with, you know, wire fraud and insider trading uh, at OpenSea by the FBI yeah. and, and the New York Department of Justice. Um, yeah, but honestly, like, every third person from this sort of, who knew and played around? I mean, they can try every third person in this space. Yeah, I mean, they will not be wrong. <laughs> I will. I will say, you know, in when when I joined as a collector, how many other public people were there that were collecting? It was it was zero, right? There are so few public-facing collectors, and it was very much like a decision. Uh, because I, I started out anonymous, a decision to be like a public person and a public collector. Yeah, that's right, actually. I remember when you started 2020, I think, right? Yes, 2020. Yeah. Um, and you reached out. You reached out as a, as a MOCA yeah. um, museum. And it was a group of two or three. Yeah. And, and, and then only once we engaged into more kind of deep conversations about collecting and what do you want to collect and how do you want to... Um, exhibit it, etc., etc. I think on this end we kind of exchanged names and, of course, you know, uh, met each other. Right. But that's not usually the 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 um, the way how collectors behave, and particularly now. 
Yeah. I mean, everybody has a nickname and uh, some sort of avatar. And I guess from one perspective, I understand. Because also if you are a very big collector, you want to have your privacy. Otherwise, you have a lot of toxicity as well. And uh, maybe it's not safe. Um, from another hand, if you are not such a big collector and you're still hiding behind the animation and you don't want to open up even the name, even though you're buying with a gallery. Yeah. I think it's about just a mutual respect once you kind of enter in the financial transaction. Um, we obviously treat everything confidentially. So if you go to a restaurant, you pay for the check and you know face-to-face who you deal with, right? And yeah, it's yeah. the same thing for me. So I don't know. Yeah, I want to, yeah, it is, it is strange. And, you know, something that I think is, is very much lacking that you do so well is kind of like this infrastructure layer in helping clients access. Um, and I think there, there's so few of that. And I feel like that's just like very much in demand. You know, in, in the traditional art world, people have their, their art buyers and, and their art dealers that they go to. And then it's kind of just like a, a white glove service. Uh, and something like that really doesn't exist here. So I still feel that there is that mismatch. And I think probably that is a large reason why, you know, the one of one art sales have, have slowed. Um, you know, we obviously saw a boom after kind of the DeFi summer when people were looking for the next thing and NFTs were kind of hot and people were bringing money into one of one art and speculating and building up artists. Uh, you know, specifically, you can think of just like the rise of X copy during that period. Um, and, but that is very much like an aesthetic that appeals to that crowd. Uh, and I think that was very much a one-off case. But do you anticipate seeing more you know, art dealers and kind of people doing a, a white glove service in this space? Yeah, I think many even found their kind of jobs to become advisors now. And even though they've never been advising for traditional art because it's more challenging and you yeah. need to have a knowledge, um, they, they, because of the knowledge around the technology, for example, around the blockchain and some sort of how to set up the wallet and how to do the transaction and how to do the cold or hot storage, et cetera, et cetera. You know, these kind of techie things. Um, some of them being early in the space, they also started advising. Um, and I think it's, it's a service which is required for many. Um, I just think it's not really a service for everyone because um, I mean, if you are a private collector, first of all, like you have to identify why do you want to collect, right? Yeah. Like there are various reasons. I made the top 10, like why can you start collecting yeah. if you're a traditional art collector? Like let's assume it's some sort of very good reason to collect because I want to support the artist and uh, enable him to receive the royalties, for example. Or I want to have a full transparency very welcome to to start collecting uh, nfts you know and then you say okay i already have like i don't know modern art collection what can i add to my collection that will bring additional value mm. uh 
in this perspective, right? What is there on the market? And then, you know, you, if you are a good advisor and you also have a sort of knowledge of modern arts together with NFTs and what's going on in a digital space, you would say, okay, probably we can look at the blue chip NFTs 101s, you know, from this period, that period, that would really benefit the collection because it's some sort of logical extension to what you already have. Right. Um, even from if you even if you have like something from impressionism times, you know, like this is also if you like really go philosophically back at the history um, with improv- improvement of technology. That's how impressionism even started, right? Yep. Or if you have something from photography, it's also some sort of logical continuation to collect maybe photography as an NFT of one or one something special, or maybe some still living photographers are doing some special projects where they could not use and capture that with the camera to do the storytelling, but they could create some sort of video as a storytelling to adapt to their uh, practice. You know, it's also a, a logical way to add and to collect such NFTs. I'm just giving you like vague examples. Yeah. Um, but, but then it makes sense, right? Um, or if you have like an absolute, um, absolutely new generation, like 20 years old and, and, and he's deeply in, uh, in, in this kind of DeFi and crypto and decentralization. I mean, first of all, usually they don't really need to uh, navigate like cer- certain navigation, but a navigation from different perspectives, what would be valuable from the artistic point of view back at the history. So mm. here you need additional knowledge and you just have to bring as an advisor uh, a different perspective saying okay this maybe is not so important even if you like this nft because it's nothing new you already seen it in 60s 70s 80s you know it's just a replication of a same same just a little bit different right um but because the person is so young and doesn't have such knowledge which is absolutely fine um this kind of extra information would help him to make the right choice, right? Yeah. So in the, like, examples like that. Um, but if you are a very big collector, let's assume you have already trust a foundation with already existing assets mm-hmm. and very complex structure. We are looking about family offices or something like that, right? <clears throat> then probably you have to um, uh, get yourself an analytic uh, who will be navigating you in this crypto space, looking at this as a tradable assets, um, the performance, uh, security and everything, and then structure their foundation or trust somewhere in the crypto-friendly um, jurisdiction like Jersey or, you know, Cayman or something like that. And then uh, basically add up to this whole structure how you figure out fiat versus ethereum or crypto assets and how you handle this also tax-wise what makes sense i mean there are various solutions for bigger bigger clients but bigger clients will never just go for one small advisor they will hire a team who will dedicate their time uh on everyday basis they will monitor the market 24 hours 7. Yeah, and you know, I think a, a recent example of somebody who has done that and, and come out publicly is Alan Howard, 
um, spent $7.1 million on a Dimitri Shemiak yes. ringer. I think he's spent, <laughs> I think he's spent upwards of, you know, of $20 million on, on art blocks and kind of like a, a, <laughs> yes. a famous wallet. Um, <laughs> he's great. I mean, he's yeah. great. I have he's a very passionate collector. I have to say the, the, the taste level is nice. The prices are, are wild and, you know, it's, um, all to say it's just wonderful to see right somebody like that take the time to but she's one of a kind i mean she's uh, very truly truly and also somebody that was also very early to adopt crypto um, yes has you know has he's a pioneer in many senses yeah yeah so all to say it's just possible and, and there's an interesting example of somebody who's done it yeah publicly or for example um i mean different type of a of a collector i don't know what you think about montoir sure uh, who yeah. did, uh, like you know from uh, from england uh who did this sort of show recently uh in liverpool um I, I mean it's a different approach of collecting yeah but also he is not afraid to be public he is not afraid to speak up and and um take action and meet the artist and sit down together, join the panel. And he's also very public of how much he spends and how, how he collects and how he exhibits. Um, but there are very, very few examples like that. Yeah, he was he was very fun. We got into a friendly debate on a Twitter spaces once. Uh, you know, he was likening his, you know, bored ape yacht club to his Lamborghini. <laughs> and it, yeah. It, yeah, and all to say it's... Um, that was a very interesting and, and market shift when it, it was more a movement away from like the art and the artist into kind of personal identity and how people were associating and attaching like these images into themselves. So I kind of, you know, want to know first if do you believe in the metaverse? Do you believe that there are like more digital worlds coming that we will be experiencing these artwork in digital places? Um, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. I think we we um, we are living in such an era where we are definitely with the new generation. They are going further digital or more digital experiences and um, less physical interactions. Even though for me, for my generation, it's a bit difficult to embrace everything. Like, I, I still like to be out of the, in the nature, you know, uh, to, 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 to have a dinner with friends. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to kind of have a physical meeting and um, not a metaversal experience. But, I mean, I also can enjoy uh, some sort of exhibition or uh, exhibition space in metaverse or some sort of thing, you know. But... I don't think for my generation it would be something logical to substitute. And for me, I, I guess wishful thinking would be like that we don't substitute one to another because unfortunately, again, what we tend to, to do is to completely deny, you know, what was in the past and just embrace totally 100% uh, what is coming new right but it's not necessarily the right thing so if we can just you know merge kind of both yeah where it's necessary i i just you know i'm chomping at the bit to say that just in my travels recently we see such a marked difference in what is happening in 
America uh, and then what is happening in Europe, right? Like Europe still has very much this quality of life standard. They're still, you know, having dinners with friends, out having drinks, and America is just like consumed with this hustle culture um, of like trying to gather and flip and stay online and always be active. Uh, and I think it's like very like deleterious to the culture here. So every time I go to a place like Lisbon uh, or even being in, you know, a place like I was just in Spain and Madrid, even being in a place like Istanbul, uh, there's still that grounding cord. But here in America, it doesn't feel like that anymore. Um, you want my perspective on that? Sure. <laughs> I think it's just the culture. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's... it's um, um, I, I think we are going to have more um, mental problems in the future for majority of people, particularly if we use too much, if we spend too much time online. And I think, you know, after pandemic, when I visited the United States for NFT NYC last year, yeah. I had the impression that something really changed. I felt so sorry for people. Yeah. I really, you know, like, they, they, you, you feel the anger, you feel the um discomfort and some sort of um a little bit of craziness and 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 yeah total dissatisfaction and probably too much too much tolerance towards things that they didn't want to tolerate and i mean to be exposed to one like your by yourself to yourself it's not an easy task you know in our our world and because of this kind of capitalist uh, capitalist um, how do is there is a name um, nature of also like there is no culture in New York for example like right. nobody goes to nature I mean you have Central Park and that's it I mean that's not nature for God's yeah. sake I mean there's squirrels who are already like humans <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> you know they're they're trained like soldiers, right. <laughs> maybe wearing wires or something, you know, to listen to conversations because yeah. everything is just sort of controlled and um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and there are some, I mean, it's very, yeah, disbalanced in some sort of way. And maybe that's why. And in this culture where we constantly have this formal, you know, like, uh, that, oh, if you don't do this, you're going to miss out here. If you don't do that, you are not going to be able to earn or to profit. And everything is just around money. Yeah. You know, the the values um, are um, maybe kind of downgraded towards capital and money only. Where in Europe, particularly in, in a country like Turkey, for example, where I am now, like you mentioned Istanbul, um, there are other values still much stronger than just um, around the consumerism or money talk or whatever, you know, the family, the, the, the religion, you know, so they have some sort of things to, to, to gather for other purposes, right? Yeah. Uh, family structure, you know, like uh, to sit down together at the dinner, the father comes to the to the table first, you know, then the children gather, you know, the respect towards elderly and uh, the, for the younger people, you know, these kind of things. And it's more traditional, but I respect traditions. I think traditions kind of is a good thing. 
I think it underpins so much like health and human happiness. Uh, yeah. I've seen, as you mentioned, like since I left New York City in 2017 to, you know, come up here like two hours north and in the woods and in the Catskills. I've yeah, seen, that's where we met. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We had a beautiful space. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen just a marked decrease in, in what has happened in New York and kind of like the culture of that city dying i think it pertains a lot to social media i think it pertains a lot to uh like things like amazon taking away there's just it you know it seems there's a dearth of innovation and creativity in these places that once attracted so much of that cultural capital it seems to be just getting washed away and then when i go again to places like lisbon paris madrid istanbul um you feel that and you feel that at the conferences and you feel that when you talk to the artists uh, that they are, and I think this is why, again, so many of the, the artists in the space come from, you know, more of a philosophical point of view, uh, even whether it was, you know, Italy or the communities in Argentina or what was happening in Mexico at the time, or even in uh, East Africa with, with Osanachi, they, they really care to stand for something. Um, yeah. And then that flood after people came in of people who were most interested in, in money. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, we're unfortunately out of time. Yes. It's 45 minutes. Yeah. But uh, please let everybody know where they can find you, where they can connect with you, if that's something you'd like. Well, they can find us at um, or at the Twitter or Instagram, but Twitter again, Kate Vass Gallery or Kate Vass and um, LinkedIn. I mean, very public with the same face, no avatars. <laughs> very welcoming. Yeah, yeah. Well, Not ashamed to be myself. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Thank you, Kate, so much for being thank here. Thank you very much, Colvin, and thank you for uh, organizers. Yeah, special thanks to Deminti for putting this uh, show together. I'm Colborne Bell, Museum of Crypto Art. We were here with Kate Vass of the Kate Vass Gallery. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you. Breaking news.